Welcome to the MLM.com podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Rollins. This week's episode is focused on international expansion. Over the past several weeks, I've talked with a number of individuals who combined for many decades of experience within the direct sales and network marketing industry on the challenges of international expansion and some of the common mistakes that are associated with opening new countries. In passing on the feedback that I've received, we are going to break with our normal format and there will be no guests this week. I don't anticipate that we will do this often, but I thought we would give it a try. So let's talk about international expansion. There were several common threads in the feedback that I received. The first was regarding timing. A company should make sure that they have roots in their home market before trying to expand. Many of the biggest problems come when companies try to expand too fast and into too many markets. Uh, At InfoTracks, when we're selling a new startup on our software, one of the common requests or one of the common bits of feedback that we get is that people want to make sure our software can handle international expansion. And in passing, they'll, they'll talk about ambitious goals of being in many many markets within just one or two years. And that's often the, the biggest mistakes that people make is not allowing their product and their opportunity and their business to take root in the country where they're starting. Uh, people don't often understand the resource-intensive nature of expanding internationally. International expansion requires a lot of effort on both the executives and full-time employees who work in the home office of a, of a direct selling company, but it also can uh, be demanding on the field as people strive to open a new market and go in and establish the opportunity. And so if you're not set up well at home, then and those roots aren't placed, it oftentimes can't sustain the growth that you're trying to achieve internationally. One of the other bits of feedback that I received is that you have to be careful who you trust when you're going internationally. It's common for people to have a little bit of experience in in having worked at other companies and expanding internationally, but they're not experts in that field. Uh, and they may not be experts in the particular country that you're trying to expand into. So you want to make sure that the people that you're partnering with and the people that you're getting advice from have real experience on the ground in the countries that you're expanding to. You also need to make sure that you understand the regulations. Uh, And by regulations, I don't just mean product regulations or I don't just mean compensation plan regulations, although all of those are, are very important. Uh, but it's, it's the full body of the regulations, right? What are the tax laws? Um, what are the product regulations? What are the data regulations? That's a big one throughout the world right now is different companies or different countries putting different regulations on, on what can be done with their citizens' data. And that's something that can cause you a lot of problems if you don't, don't take that into account. Uh, restrictions on on going in NFR. So if you're not familiar, NFR stands for not for resale. And that can often be looked at as kind of a, an easy way into different markets where you're selling them from your home country and they're going in under not for resale model where it permits you to sell directly to 
customers within uh, other countries, uh, but people have have come to not understand the nuances of NFR and what countries allow it, what countries don't allow it, what you need to do to be able to do it, and going into a country prematurely and breaking either laws or regulations or going contrary to the way that things are done in that country can cost you for years and years down the road. It, I've seen a number of companies who've had to pull out of, of countries and not be able to go back in for years, if, if ever, just because uh, they left such a sour taste in the mouths of the collective people there, either regulators or even the distributor field, just because they're, they're not doing it uh, correctly. Um, you want to take time to make sure that you're adapting to the current or to the cultures within a given country. That means making sure that you're taking the currency of that country and that you're displaying the currency of that country. You don't want to be perceived as a U.S. company temporarily coming into a market. You want to be perceived as a company that's coming into that market um, and knows what they're doing. And so you want to take local currency. You want to support the local language. Um, and that means getting really qualified people to do your translations and making sure uh, that it's adapted to the local language. For instance, there are many countries around the world that speak Spanish, but that doesn't mean all the nuances of the, of the language are the same. So you can't get translations for going into Spain and use them all throughout Latin America and South America using the proper forms of payment, right? Often uh, there are alternative payment methods that aren't common in the U.S. Um, that can be common in, in other countries, whether it's payments through a cell phone or going to local convenience stores and paying. And so you need to take that into account. What are you going to support? What will the market demand you support? Uh, and be prepared to either adapt those local forms of payment or or have a good reason why you're not doing it. Delivery methods can often be different. Whether you have distributor-run pickup centers or yeah, different ways of delivering the product. Uh, you also need to, to know, going back to, to the NFR question for a few minutes, you need to make sure that your pricing is initially set up correctly. You might go in NFR and go in for a little bit cheaper price and then when you figure out all of the uh, nuances and all of the costs of being on the ground uh, you might realize that that's an unsustainable price for when you open that country for on the ground but if you've been selling the product for months or years uh, at, a, at a much reduced price that's going to hamper your ability to open the country properly uh, with your on-the-ground resources set up. So you need to make sure that there's a lot of research done up front. One of the other things that I want to touch on is pressure from distributors. That's often one of the reasons that companies give for wanting to open a specific market is because they've got uh, leaders who have already been in that market or who have groups on the ground in that market. And by no means do I want to come across as, as critical of distributors. Obviously, they, like you, want want the company to be successful and they're out advocating for your product and wanting to build a business. But you need to work with your distributor field and the distributor field needs to work with you to say, okay, what, what are the proper steps that need to happen? 
um, so that you can go in successfully. And you need to understand from them what what are they going to do as you open a new country? What's their commitment to you in providing support and making sure that the opportunity is successful? Unfortunately, um, this isn't just pertaining to distributors, but I, we've seen at InfoTrax over the years a number of companies open countries where they never make back the initial investment in getting open. And, and that has to do a lot with not properly researching it before you endeavor. There are different countries where the amount of work to get the products approved, to get the compensation plan approved, to uh, have IT support, to take into account data security requirements, to take into account the tax requirements and the withholdings and to make sure that you've got representation there in that country. Uh, they become so costly that then if if you don't pretty quickly take off in that country, um, that's an investment that, that becomes you know somewhat unsustainable, if not, not for the company as a whole, at least for the company within that country. Um, so it is important that you take the time and carefully research what is involved in opening a new country and make sure that, that you're prepared to pay that price, the price in terms of the investment that it takes, but also in terms of the investment monetarily, but also in terms of the investment of time and of resources. A couple of reasons I think that, that should be pointed out are that are not to go international or reasons not to go international um, is simply because everybody else is doing it or because you think that that's the mark of a successful company. Especially when we're talking about starting in the U.S., the U.S. is a huge, huge country with a lot of people and there is a lot of success that can be had here to create a mature company before being forced to go internationally. But that goes true for any country that you're starting in. Make sure that those roots are strong uh, and that, that you're deliberate in your expansion internationally, that you're not doing it simply because others want you to or because you feel like that's, that's what needs to be done. The final thing that I wanted to touch on, let me make sure I've got this as I go through my notes, is just simply uh, making sure that you have open communication between your field your partners, whether it be fulfillment, IT, um, payment methods, and your executive team to say, okay, what are our goals in opening country X? Uh, and have we done the research? Do we know that that product and this opportunity will resonate culturally? Um, and then be prepared to spend the time to get set up right and to spend the time on the ground to make that successful. And as you do that, then obviously there are many, many, many companies in our industry that have a tremendous amount of success around, around the globe. But don't let that neglect what you have here at home, right? Make sure that you're doing the research and making sure that, that your distributors and your customers at home continue to have the same high level of service and high-quality products and upline support that they've grown accustomed to. And that is really it in, in talking, like I say, with many, industri with many industry 
uh, experts both within the company I work for, InfoTracks, and, and outside of that, those are the main points of feedback. I would make sure that as you're talking to uh, different consultants, make sure that, that they have a firm grasp of not just expanding internationally, but going into uh, the, the specific countries you're looking into. I'll say that going into Korea and going into Italy are two very different animals. And both, we've seen companies, and those are just two random country examples, but we've seen people have success in both. Uh, but the skills and expertise to go into one are not necessarily the same expertise to go into the other, right? You need to be intimately familiar with the country that you're going into. And, and like I said, my last word of caution would be don't think the NFR is just this panacea that allows you to go into every country all around the world without having to do the vetting and the setting up. We've seen a lot of country, a lot of companies get themselves in trouble uh, with that mindset. Uh, I hope that this episode hasn't come as too much of a downer, but just as a, a thought-provoking way of saying, okay, what do we need to do as we're expanding internationally? Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll we'll return to our old format, bringing on guests. And I thank you for your time. I hope that as you have different topics that you'd like to to hear about or different bits of feedback on the podcast, I think this is our seventh or eighth episode, uh, that you'll reach out to us on MLM.com. I would also like to give a very special thank you to the contributors for this podcast whose great information uh, I distilled and uh, hopefully was helpful to you. Uh, Those people are David Judd, Sean Smith, Glenn Rollins, Jared Smith, Mark Rollins, and Steve Hooper. As always, we want to thank our production support, uh, Adam Holdaway and Jana Bangeter. This is the MLM.com podcast, and we hope you'll join us in the future.